Pastor Xavier Reese describes the bittersweet task of delivering the Word of God. Jeremiah was not well liked. His message was not accepted. He was not able to keep silent, though he wanted to. At one point he said, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not hold it in. It burned inside him. The man Jeremiah, as we have noted, was one with his message. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The resonating theme of presidential candidates for this year's election season is a promise for change. But the people way back in the day of the prophet Jeremiah vehemently rejected the notion of changing anything about their idolatrous lifestyle and rebellion for the things of God. But it is Jeremiah's obedient and unwavering stand for God's Word that Pastor Xavier Reese is campaigning for in today's Simple Truths Character Study. Let's listen. In our last study, we learned that the ministry of Jeremiah was to a spiritually deaf people. And yet, he was to go and to proclaim God's Word, though they were not going to respond. Listen to him in Jeremiah 20, verse 18. Then they said... Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the words from the prophet. Come, let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. Jeremiah 20, verse 18. They were hearing, but they were rejecting. They were opposing God's word. Jeremiah was not well liked. He was plotted against, imprisoned. His message was not accepted nor obeyed. He was true to his call and given wholeheartedly to that ministry. He was not able to keep silent, though he wanted to. At one point he said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not hold it in. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. It burned inside him. The man Jeremiah, as we have noted, was one with his message. It's a sweet and bitter when you're called of God to do the work of God. Because not everybody's going to accept it. Not everybody's going to like you. It's all right. You must fulfill your ministry. He is known as the weeping prophet in type of the one to come, Jesus, who wept over Jerusalem. As he stood in the Mount of Olives for the sin and rebellion and spiritual blindness of his people. And he gave them up. So the ministry of Jeremiah was a heavy ministry. He was called to proclaim and to observe the death of a nation. Now the theology of Jeremiah is an interesting one. First of all, the word of God in contrast to the word of the false prophets is very evident in the theology of Jeremiah. God's word came to him in his call, and he was sent by God in chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Jeremiah denies that the false prophets had been sent by God throughout his writings, that God did not send them. They speak, but God is not speaking through them. They run and they're sent, but God hasn't sent them. 
They dream dreams of their own and propagate lies, he says in chapter 23, verse 25 through 28. God's word to the true prophet was like a blazing fire, a hammer crushing the rocks in pieces, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 20, verse 7 and 9. And so he makes a clear line of demarcation between the true prophet and the false prophet. Today, it is essential that you make a line of demarcation of those who truly are genuine instruments of God and those who are not. How can you do that? Real simple. Know the Word of God. If you do not know the Word of God, then you are a candidate for deception. You must judge what the man is saying by what the Word of God says. Secondly, the all-encompassing knowledge of God in contrast to the limited knowledge of man is another element of the theology of Jeremiah that stands out. Listen, God declared, I am the one who knows, Jeremiah twenty-nine twenty-three. What a statement. Now you and I can say, I know some things. I know certain things for sure. I know a lot about one thing, but none of us can say, I am the one who knows, implying all things. <laughs> you know very, very little, and so do I. <laughs> God was aware of Jeremiah before his birth, making Jeremiah aware that God's foreknowledge is something that man does not possess in Jeremiah 1.5. Before you were in your mother's womb. Knew him, he called him. God's knowledge of Jeremiah's Christ is often declared in Jeremiah 12.3. But you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like a sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. God knows the plans and devices of man. Jeremiah 18. 23, he says, Yet, Lord, you know all their counsel, which is against me to slay me. Provide no atonement for their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight, but let them be overthrown before you. Deal thus with them in the time of your anger. Jeremiah is not giving information to God. He's acknowledging what God knows already. God's knowledge is known to the one who walks with him and the one who reveals himself to. In Jeremiah uh, chapter 2, verse 8, he says, The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied Baal and walk after things that do not profit. So God's knowledge is known to the one who walks with him and he reveals himself to that person. But yet here in the nation, those that were appointed to that were not doing that. They were choosing not to walk with God. They were choosing to not give their ear to God. And yet they wanted people to think that they were. The activities of God as he sovereignly wills his own purposes is another key. Aspect of Jeremiah's theology. Let me give you some phrases. I'm not going to give you scriptures, just phrases. 
And these are right from his book. I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. I send you. I command you. I am with you. I have put my words in your mouth. I have set you over the nations. God is sovereign. You remember Daniel? In the book of Daniel, really it was Belshazzar. Uh, or Nebuchadnezzar after he came through after the seasons of being an animal. He says, you know, there's a God in heaven. He does as he wills. And no one can say to him, what are you doing? That's sovereignty. He does as he wills. And yet, as he wills and as he does his will, he never violates man's free will. How can that be? I don't know. But I know it's true. And when I don't understand something about God that he tells me that he can do or that he, that he can say or whatever, I always fall back on the character of God. He's absolutely holy, absolutely perfect, and nothing is impossible for Him. And yet I may not understand it. How do you understand that you're saved? How is it possible the Holy God can save you? How is it possible that He can love you? How is it possible that you can be one with Him? Now we can go through the Scriptures and explain it that way, but even in that, it's kind of hard for us to understand, right? Because He's different from us. You and I would not die for someone who hated us. You and I would not forgive someone who killed our son. The only way we can do that is if Christ is in us, the hope of glory. But naturally, we can't do that. So his activities are sovereign, and those phrases are regarding the prophet. Then also regarding Israel, he says, Israel was his betrothed bride in chapter 2, verse 2. Israel was holiness of the Lord, the first fruit of his increase in Jeremiah 2.3. Israel was a noble vine that turned into a degenerate plant in Jeremiah 2.21. Israel was his beloved, Jeremiah 11.15. Israel was his heritage, Jeremiah 12.7-9. Israel was his vineyard, Jeremiah 12.10. Israel was his flock. Jeremiah 13, 17. Israel was the clay in the hands of the potter God. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 11. Israel was his firstborn. Jeremiah 31, 9. He's sovereign regarding the nation of Israel. But also regarding the Gentile nations. Those who he had not chosen as of yet. Those who were separated from him. Nebuchadnezzar is called his Servant in Jeremiah 27, 6. You remember he says, Cyrus my anointed? <laughs> I expect to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. <laughs> Many of those old guys. Nebuchadnezzar was the instrument for his purposes, Jeremiah 27, 6 through 9 says. How can it make sense that God can use a more wicked nation to punish one who God has worked through? Well, Habakkuk had that problem. Lord, tell me what you're going to do. Oh, you wouldn't believe if I told you, Habakkuk. Oh, come on. All right? I'm going to use Babylon to punish my people. I can't believe it. Why would you do that, Lord? Didn't I tell you you're not going to believe it? Kind of interesting. We don't know what's going to take place with the United States. It's found nowhere in prophecy. It would not be anything new for God to use a more wicked nation to punish us because of the privilege we have received and we have turned our back upon God. It's happened in the past. It can happen in the present. God's sovereign will also regarding the end times in Israel. A word called eschatology. There will be a complete 
restoration of Israel. Jeremiah, this is Kenan's theology in chapter 23, uh, chapter 30, chapter 31, some of the chapters. There will be the gathering of the remnant from the nations, Jeremiah 23, 3 through 4. Jeremiah 30, verse 10 and 11. Jeremiah 31, 10 through 14. There will be the rising up of David, a righteous branch, the Messiah, in Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6. Predicting the Messiah to come. Once again, confirming from the beginning of time, even Genesis. There would be a new covenant he speaks about in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Distinct from the old covenant for Israel. Jeremiah has some incredible theology. And this is the only way we know anything about God, as God reveals himself to man. If God hasn't revealed it, then it's, it's foolish speculation. <laughs> the only reason we can say God is this, God can do that, God says this, is because we have it in the Bible. If it's not found in the Bible, it, it's not truth regarding God. It has to be in the Bible. The theology of Jeremiah can be reduced down to God's judgment on sinful man in these verses. Jeremiah 13, 22 through 23. Listen to it. And if you say in your heart, what have these things come upon us? Or why have these things come upon me? For the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered. Your heels made bare. Now listen. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard its spots? If so, then you may also do good who are accustomed to doing evil. What can we boil the theology of Jeremiah down to? God is holy, man is sinful. Absolute truths. Those are two constants that never change. This was the theology of Jeremiah. Now, let me give you a few things thoroughly of the book of Jeremiah and we'll close. It won't take long. First of all, the message and the messages are not arranged in chronological order. For instance, chapter 35 and 36 are earlier than chapter 21. So, one has to pay attention to the dates and the kings that are reigning. So when you read, read with care. So you see when they're in order, when they're out of order. The book contains many literary forms and types also. Poetry and song, laments, threats, griefs. There's prose and parables, protracted sermonic discourses, biographical narrative, and vision. So the book is wide in variety. Secondly, the first division regards general prophecies that are undated, occurring before the fall of Jerusalem. This runs from chapter 1 to chapter 20. General prophecies that are undated, occurring before the fall of Jerusalem. The prophet's call comes to us in chapter 1. The general prophecies which are not dated are from chapter 2 to chapter 20. The only time reference in that section is the day of Josiah in chapter 3, verse 6. Most likely, the first 12 chapters fall under Josiah's reign. These are the earlier prophecies of Jeremiah. Because remember, well, he went through four or five different kings. 
The section closes with the opposition to Jeremiah's ministry by Pashur and the imprisonment of Jeremiah, revealing the unpopularity of Jeremiah's ministry. And you can read that in chapter 20. That closes the first division. The second division regards particular prophecies that are dated till the fall of Jerusalem. And that goes from chapter 21 to chapter 39. They are all related to some event, date, or reigning king. All of them. Chapter 22 mentions all the last four kings of Judah. Who in fact are the false shepherds who led the people astray. Resulting in the woes of chapter 23. So this will give you an example of how to look and how to read so you have a reigning. You, you have this also in the Gospels, okay? The narratives of the, of the Gospels. The thing is sometimes we, we, we disjoint one chapter from the other and, and sometimes a chapter and a half go together or two chapters go together and, and we don't observe that. So we try to understand what it's saying outside of its context and we lose the whole thing. Jeremiah writes a letter for the first captives who had been deported to Babylon and he was to commit it to writing for himself in chapter 30, verse 1 and 2. The captive and captivity are the common thread of these chapters. In some of the prophecies, there is a short-term and long-term fulfillment, such as Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. It speaks about the judgment that's coming in captivity, but long-term-wise, Jacob's trouble is what? The tribulation and great tribulation, right? So we've seen this often in the prophets, short-term, long-term, twofold. Now this second division ends with the fall of Jerusalem in Jeremiah 39, verse 1 and 2. The third division regards Jeremiah's ministry to the Jews after the fall of Jerusalem, and that's chapter 40, to 44. 40 to 42, he speaks to Judah. 43 and 44, to Egypt. The fourth division regards collected prophecies of judgment on the surrounding Gentile nations. So now he focuses on the Gentile nations from chapter 45 to 51. In 46, he pronounces judgment on Egypt. 47, on Philistia, 48, Moab, 49, 1, Ammon, 49, 7, Edom, 49, 23, Damascus, 49, 28, Kedar, 49, 28 again, Hazor, and 50 and 51, Babylon. So there you have another block. The fifth division regards the appendix and conclusion of the book, chapter 52. The king then, Hezekiah, is captured, witnesses the death of his sons, his eyes are plucked out, and he's carried off to captivity. The city is sacked, the temple is burned, as Jeremiah prophesied. And the reason for all this is the key verse of the book, which is found in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 15 through 18. Listen to it. Why do you cry about your affliction? 
Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities. Because your sins have increased, I have done these things to you. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured. And all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder. And all who prey upon you, I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they call you an outcast, saying, This is Zion. No one seeks her. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling place. The city shall be built upon its own mound and the place shall remain according to its own plan. There's the key verses of the book. And he gives you the reason for all of that. And notice God says, Though I've used evil people to judge you, I'm going to end up judging them. How can that be? That's God's business. (laughs) Absolutely God's business. The message of Jeremiah still speaks to us today. The spiritual breakdown of a nation, in particular, her leaders, will always result in destruction and judgment. Chapter 2 makes that very, very clear. The prophets prophesied falsely. The priests ruled by their own means, and the people loved it so. Jeremiah 5.31 Today, this is so in the church. You've got false prophets, you've got heresy all over, and my people love it so. A nation that degenerates spiritually will end up defying God and His Word, even as the king burned the scroll of God in Jeremiah 36.27. Such a nation becomes deaf. To every appeal to repent. Jeremiah 37 2. America does not see the need of repentance. America mocks its sin at God. The nation that attempts to secure herself by the aid of other nations when God has pronounced judgment is fighting against God. Jeremiah 37 7. It's in vain. It will not help them. When a nation is more concerned with discussing policy rather than repentance to put away sin. When she justifies her sin rather than confessing it. When she lives like there is no God and then professes to know God, judgment is but around the corner. G. Campbell Morgan said, speaking of Jeremiah's day, We read the history merely and say, What an unfortunate succession of kings. How singularly... These people failed to produce statesmen who were able to cope with the political situation. The lonely figure observing the race ruin said, The failure of your kings and the failure of your policy prove that the hand of God is upon you in judgment. An interesting thought. You know, the Rechabites in chapter 35 were not Jews and yet they were faithful not to drink wine as God told Jeremiah to go tell him and drink wine they said we will never drink wine we made a covenant with God and God says look at them they were a sharp rebuke to the Jews who were the people of God and turned their back on God and these Rechabites were not of God's people and yet they were faithful to God what a sharp rebuke God's people deserve the judgment this is the book of Jeremiah Judgment can only be averted through repentance, but repentance is totally rejected. 
And so we have seen the prophet Jeremiah, the theology of Jeremiah, and the book of Jeremiah. Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up with a challenge for applying the poignant message of the prophet Jeremiah, even today. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled Jeremiah Part 2 are available for only $4 on CD or cassette. Just tell us which one you prefer when you get in touch. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Jeremiah Part 2, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 